Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, God is one. Amen. Beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, today we gather for a special day in the life of the church that only occasionally falls on Sunday. And interestingly, it only occasionally falls on the 25th of February, and that being the Feast of the Apostle Matthias. So we have a really unique coincidence today. So let me first address perhaps my odd statement that it only rarely falls on the 25th. Well, this year, 2024, is a leap year. So we'll have a February the 29th this year. Now, this day is added occasionally, mostly every four years with some exceptions. And you likely remember somewhere that the, from somewhere that these extra leap days are added to keep the calendar in line with the sun because our revolution around the sun takes just a bit more than 365 days. But adding a day at the end of February is not the way it was always done. You probably remember from somewhere also, and from ongoing debates here in the Orthodox Church, that our modern calendar is generally called the Gregorian calendar, after Pope Gregory XIII, who made further refinements to the calendar to keep it better in line with the sun. And you probably remember that it was originally Julius Caesar who helped fix the calendar in the first place, or at least, you know, during his reign. Now, um, and that calendar, before the Gregorian calendar, was called the Julian calendar, a reflection of that fact. Now, you may be surprised to know that although the Gregorian calendar went into effect in October 1582 by Papal Bull, this only affected some European countries at first. It actually took centuries for the calendar to be adopted elsewhere, including here in what would become the United States. It, it wasn't until 1752 that we adopted the Gregorian calendar. Alaska, for example, remained on it until the rest of Russia adopted it in 1867. So interestingly, though, in the Julian calendar, that extra day for the leap year was not added to the end of the month of February. Instead, it was inserted after the 23rd of February. Now, I won't bore you with all the details of why. That's what Wikipedia is for. But later, if you're interested, you can read that. But in a leap year, in the original Julian calendar, they inserted an extra day before the 24th of February. It's the 25th, right? And yes, this mattered for some legal reasons, as I understand it. And yet, it turned out that both were the, uh, the 24th of February. It was a 48-hour day. In fact, there were literally two February 24ths on the calendar of a leap year. So what does this have to do with today's feast? Well, you probably recognize that most saints' feasts, like the Feast of St. Benjamin, the deacon and martyr, my patron, is celebrated on a fixed day every year, March 31st. But St. Matthias, who we celebrate today, has his feast typically on the 24th of February. Now it's the 25th, and are we celebrating St. Matthias' feast belatedly? No. Due to this quirk of the Julian calendar, we hold feasts that are normally celebrated after the 23rd of February, a day forward on leap years. Crazy, right? But that's what we do. So anyway, that's why, if you actually, I think it's still on our Google calendar that the 24th is St. Matthias' feast, but it doesn't work on leap years because we add this extra day. 
Okay, enough of a history and calendar lesson. But it's good to know some of the quirks of our liturgical calendar. And it's kind of cool. I mean, I think it's pretty interesting. All right. So today, we're celebrating St. Matthias, who replaced Judas Iscariot among the apostles. Now, Judah first, as you may recall, becomes the manager of the disciples' purse, which I imagine was probably pretty sparse given the charity that our Lord and his disciples demonstrated. But nevertheless, we know that Judas ultimately began to steal from it. And ironically, he complains when the precious ointment anoints our Lord's feet that it could fetch 300 silver pieces so that it could be given to the poor, remember? When it's likely he had already stolen from them at that point, and if that money had actually been given to Jesus and his disciples, he probably would have taken a cut from it. Now, Judas is so blinded by his sin that he's willing to give up his friendship with Jesus, the honor of walking with him, all for 30 pieces of silver, not 330. He can't see far enough in front of himself, though, to realize that they're going to kill Jesus. I really don't think that Judas understood that that was what was going to happen. He probably thought they were going to arrest him, give him, you know, the 40 lashes minus one, and release him. And then when he realizes that, whoa, like this is way more messed up than I thought, they're actually going to kill him, he's still blinded by sin. So all he can think to do is like, go take the money back. Like that's going to fix the problem. And even those that gave it to him, they don't want anything to do with it. So he's alone or so he thinks. And so again, in his short sightedness about this, it leads him to believe that he's alone and he kills himself. We can see that even though Judas' heart was hardened, the Lord still loved Judas and does all he can to save him. At the Last Supper, he lets Judas know that he knows what he's about to do. He knows his secret thoughts, like we say in our prayer right at the beginning of service. And he warns him that there will be woe for the man who betrays the Son of Man, that it would be better if that man had never been born. And yet, even with all that, he allows Judas to share in his special last meal with his disciples. In the Garden of Gethsemane, even when Judas approaches, Jesus calls him friend and asks him whether he would betray the Son of Man with a kiss. No matter where we are, no matter how deeply invested we are in our sin, Jesus is there for us. Nevertheless, in the book of Acts, we witness the filling of the vacancy left by Judas Iscariot, a void that cried out to be filled, not by the will of man, but by the divine providence of God. From them, Matthias was chosen to take Judas's spot among the apostles. Now, he was chosen amongst those, they say there were 120, who had walked with Jesus from John's baptism until he was taken up from them again at his ascension. While Judas' name has become synonymous with betrayal and treachery, Matthias' name is remembered for his faithful response to the call of God. St. Matthias is not mentioned again in the canonical New Testament, but church tradition offers us a few glimpses into the life and ministry of Matthias following his appointment as an apostle. By some accounts, he planted the faith about Cappadocia and on the coast of the Caspian Sea. According to Nicephorus, a Greek ecclesiastical historian of the late Byzantine Empire, Matthias first preached 
the gospel in Judea and in Ethiopia, now the modern day country of Georgia, and was crucified. An ancient Coptic book, the Acts of Andrew and Matthias, likewise places his activity in the same region. There are other stories, but each ends with his martyrdom, and it's likely that he indeed was martyred as the rest of the apostles, save John, were. And despite facing opposition and persecution, Matthias remained steadfast in his commitment to the gospel, exemplifying the courage and resilience of a true disciple of Christ that he faithfully took upon himself. In our gospel today, taken from St. Matthew chapter 11, we find in it a message about that burden that St. Matthias took upon himself and a message from our Lord Jesus Christ to each of us. First in our gospel passage, Jesus reveals, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. In these words, Jesus unveils the mysterious workings of divine revelation, where the truths of the kingdom are veiled from the wise and revealed to the humble and childlike in spirit. Imagine the apostles and St. Matthias reflecting on Judas' betrayal and the moment it brought them all to which we recounted from the books of, book of Acts today. They clearly accepted it with faith, childlike faith, accepting it all as the will of God. Let us therefore approach the Lord with the same childlike faith, open to receiving his truth with simplicity and trust. Second, Jesus declares, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This invitation reaches out to each one of us who carries the weight of our worries, our fears, and our struggles. Imagine how St. Matthias felt as the lots fell and he was so chosen to serve in Judah's shoes. Surely he wondered if he might also betray the Lord. Surely his heart raced as he knew how hard the road following Jesus that lay ahead him was, was going to be. And so how often do we find ourselves laboring under the burdens of life, striving to meet the expectations of this world? Yet Jesus beckons us to lay down our heavy burdens at his feet, for he alone can offer the rest that our souls so desperately crave. So let us therefore heed his call and surrender our care into his loving, his, our cares into his loving hands. And finally, Jesus assures us, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here Jesus presents us with a paradoxical truth, that true rest is not found in the absence of work, but in the presence of Christ guiding that work. Hopefully these words were heard by St. Matthias himself, standing by from the Lord's lips, from, right from the Lord's lips as he followed Jesus with the other apostles from the beginning. And surely, if so, St. Matthias would have found reassurance in them at that moment we heard in the book of Acts. When St. Matthias accepted his call, he entered into a partnership with Jesus, sharing in his yoke of love, grace, and redemption. So as we likewise walk alongside Jesus, learning from his example of gentleness and humility, we will discover a deep and abiding rest that transcends our circumstances and fills our souls with peace. In a world fraught with hardship and adversity, these words offer a glimmer of hope and assurance. The yoke of Jesus is not burdensome or oppressive, but gentle and light, for it is born out of his unfailing love and compassion for us. 
As we entrust ourselves to his care and submit to his guidance, we find that his yoke is indeed easy and his burden light. So let us therefore embrace the freedom that comes from surrendering our lives to him completely. In conclusion, dear friends, let us embrace Christ's invitation to find rest for our weary souls. May we lay down our burdens at his feet, take his yoke upon us, and learn from him and from St. Matthias's faithfulness, knowing that Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is light. And as we walk in his ways, may we experience the fullness of his rest and the peace that surpasses all understanding. And pray for us, St. Matthias. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.